0: Economist Benjamin Grimm once said the investor's chief problem and even his worst enemy is likely to be himself This quote captures perfectly that tendency for investors to act Irrationally and in ways that are contrary to their own interests over the past few decades an entire academic discipline has sprung up on this topic behavioral finance which is the study of the influence of psychology on investor behavior. While we investors would like to think we always carefully weigh our options and sensibly choose the ones that offer the most benefit, the fact that that we often don't, it turns out that real people aren't even really good at identifying options, let alone choosing the right one. We tend to misinterpret information and miscalculate simple statistical probabilities. And we react to events in emotional and often counterproductive ways.
1: How's my financial health doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the How is My Financial Health Doc podcast, and I am your host, Vu Ketran. Today, we're going to talk more about behavioral finance and talk about another behavior that makes the investor their worst enemy. I have a good friend with me today, and his name is Chris Rugel. Chris is a financial advisor and a portfolio manager, and he is an expert at behavioral finance because he sees all the mistakes that his clients make every single day. So, I welcome Chris again back on the show to continue our conversation about behavioral finance. Today, we're going to talk about a different bias that I see very commonly among my colleagues as well, and that is taking excessive risk when you don't need to. And so let's talk about get rich schemes and greed and our next uh, behavior, which is taking on excessive risk, right? Because we hear these songs of sirens. We hear these lovely stories. We want to get into it and we don't necessarily assess or understand our risk. And should I even get into it and the strategy? Are we breaking our strategy or not? And But the question is, I assume that we have a strategy and some of us don't even have a strategy. Some of us just play because my, my friend told me to get in, right? And so taking excessive risk is another behavior that you see very common.
1: Yes, absolutely. When when, when we talk about greed, uh, I always, always remember the Michael Douglas quote from Wall Street. Greed is good. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, it's classic. I think everybody who's seen that movie remembers it. No, greed is not good. Absolutely, is not good. Money is a tool. Money is a tool for us to use to fund our lives, to pay for our needs, and to pay for some of our wants. It is there to protect our families. It is there to fund our futures, our retirement years when we can't work ourselves. Excessive risk is a function of that greed, and so it is a very, very big danger to portfolios. I mean, again, going back to the GameStop story, I would love to have been a part of those investors that had GameStop at $20, right? And I wish I could have sold it at 400 You know, that's just wishful thinking. I also wish I didn't waste my time watching the TV series Lost, but it is what it is, right? <laughs> what can you do? These things happen. What we can do is govern ourselves properly, govern our actions so that they're prudent, reasonable, and well-researched based on data, going back to that Song of Sirens story about uh, you know investor behavior. One of the things that regulators like the OSC, for example, they look for are advisors and managers that are taking excessive risk in client portfolios. Yeah. Right. They're watching that because that is a danger to clients. And the same thing should happen with individual investors who are managing their own portfolios. Oftentimes that excessive risk is caused by the demands of the client. So, you know, I do get clients who pressure me into certain investments and we got to discuss it and talk about it. Many people don't understand that risk reward relationship. So we talked about the fact that if you lose 50%, you need 100% return to get back to where you started, right? That two to one rule is also something that I present to clients as a way of gauging their risk, actual risk, true risk. If you ask a client what they're looking for in returns, that's like asking a child if they'd like chocolate for dinner. Clients will throw out all kinds of numbers that are far above what the market would traditionally return to investors.
0: Unrealistic.
1: Right. So then what I do is I ask them not how much money they would like to see grow, but how much money are they willing to put at risk? In other words, how much money can they lose without stressing about it, without it affecting their lives in a negative way? At that point, I often get a confused look on their faces because they always think about potential returns. They never think about potential losses. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, like, they don't think, oh, I guess there's a chance I could lose money. Like, that's not something that <laughs> crosses their mind. They walk into their advisor's office. It's like, oh, this guy's going to make me 20% every year. So I help them understand the relationship of, and by putting that simple formula in front of them, um, it's not a hard and fast rule, as we mentioned, but it does help them gauge that, right? You, oh, you want to make 20% returns? Are you willing to lose 40? Right? right. Oh, you want to make 10% return, which is not irregular. hmm are you willing to lose 20? Yeah. Right? And, and that has borne out to be the case. The stock market, you know, averages, what, 7% in the long term, but it lost 30% in March. Yeah. Now, it's a temporary loss. It's paper losses, right? We yeah. all, we discussed that. We understand that. Yeah. But that volatility is something that you have to be able to endure. And are you able to do so? So I tell them simply, whatever you'd like your investment to return, you know, you have to be willing to risk this much. And, and that generally tends to lead to a, a productive conversation around risk. I had one gentleman approach me one time, and this was fairly recently. He had sold his house and he had gotten divorced. He had gotten a payout. And he asked me if I could double his money in a year. I told him it's not impossible. It isn't impossible. You know, you can do it. It's not impossible. But in order to do so, I told him, you have to be willing to risk all your money. It's like a lot, like all of it. It's a crapshoot it's a 50, 50 proposition. You know, you'd have to have a super concentrated portfolio and some very volatile positions. And if you're lucky, you can double your money. But if you're not lucky, you can wipe it all out. Are you willing to do that? And he told me and this, I'll never forget because to me it was just like, okay, this conversation is not going anywhere. He told me he wants it to be guaranteed. (laughs) He wants the principal amount guaranteed, but he wants to double his money in a year. Right. Right. He had no understanding of the relationship between risk and reward. And of course, he never became a client. I don't know how he invested his money, uh, whether he ever got anyone to actually promise him 100% return. Uh, but the reality is that as clients, as much as those of us who are professional money managers, we're responsible for understanding that relationship and accepting that reality when we participate in the capital markets.
0: I wanna add one more thing that you, you didn't really say, but I think people need to understand the returns are higher if you have higher risk but that relationship is not guaranteed you could still have higher risk and still have no returns absolutely right and,
1: and it's s- not a linear relationship either exactly like it isn't if I take double the risk I get double the the, the reward exactly it's the the higher the returns you expect the harder it's exponentially harder to get higher returns. As as you sort of increase the expectation of returns, it's exponential the risk that you're taking on. Correct. And you have to understand that. Correct. For me to generate 3% returns, I don't actually have to risk six percent of the money. Yeah. Right. Between GICs, which are guaranteed by CDIC, uh, bonds, you know, maybe a um, you know, a moderate equity position. I don't think it's terribly difficult to average three percent returns. So I would not really say you know you're going to be putting six percent of your money at risk. That's where that two to one relationship doesn't. It sort of falls apart at the lower end. Yeah. But on the higher end, absolutely, absolutely, and even more so. Like if you if you say to me at some point, it just the math is is irrelevant because if you come to me and say I want to make fifty percent returns annually every year, then at that point it's you're just gambling.
0: We'll have more episodes discussing behavioral finance in future episodes, so please stay tuned.
1: How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer or accountant for specific advice.